our product, our business, our workforce strategy um, are all informed by open source. And really, it's us being able to have the values of collaboration, community, running through our entire culture. You know, that is the spirit of how we work here. There's a revolution taking place right now. Talent and intelligence are equally distributed throughout the world, but opportunity is not. The talent economy, the idea that at the center of work is the talent, is the individual. The way we work has changed forever and highly skilled talent is demanding flexibility around the way they work and the way they live. This podcast brings together thought leaders, staffing experts, and top talent to talk about the evolving nature of work and how companies can navigate these changes to remain competitive, drive innovation, and ensure success. Welcome to the Talent Economy Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Labby, Chief People Officer at TopTel. GitLab, the open source tech startup, launched in 2011 and became a hyper-growth company by 2015. Its technology has been attracting attention ever since. The company, which describes itself as an open source software project, is a repository that helps software developers collaborate and streamline their work on a single platform. GitLab has more than 30 million users, including developers at companies like Comcast, Ticketmaster, Jaguar, and other big brands. But they're also quickly becoming known for something else, being a great place to work. Place, of course, is not a physical space. Like TopTel, GitLab is an all-remote company. And that's where my guest today, Wendy Barnes, comes in. She's the Chief People Officer at GitLab, responsible for more than 1,600 team members in 65 countries around the world. Wendy joined GitLab in 2020 and has helped steer the company through massive growth, as well as the challenges of the past two years. She joined GitLab with more than two decades of HR experience in the high-growth tech world having worked for multiple pre-IPO and Fortune 500 companies. She was Chief HR Officer at Palo Alto Networks, VP of HR at eHealth, and has held senior HR leadership roles at Netflix and E-Trade. I'm so excited to talk to a fellow Chief People Officer from another all-remote company. Welcome, Wendy. Thanks so much. I noticed that a significant part of your education and career have taken place in California. Um, I spent the majority of my life in California, so I would love for you to you know, tell me a little bit about where you grew up, and I know you're calling in from Idaho today, but uh, is California still your place? Yes, California is still my place, and in fact, uh, I'm a Bay Area native. I was born and raised in San Jose, California, so surrounded by tech. My husband's from the Bay Area, too, as well as three of our four parents. So we do have some roots and enjoy it very much and call it home. And I know that you graduated with a BS in management from Santa Clara University, and you're still very involved in the university. I think you sit on the board of advisors and board of regents, and you serve as an advisor for the university's Women's Corporate Board Readiness Program. Can you tell me more about the work you do at SCU and what's staying involved in your alma mater means to you? Yeah, you know, I felt so fortunate to go to Santa Clara. I didn't go far for college, but I was attracted to the smallness, having tech right there. I helped out and would pop back into the university when I was early in my career. And then I had a little bit of a break and it wasn't on purpose. It was just life happening. And about five years ago, got back involved uh, with uh, the organizations that, that you mentioned 
And when I was on the advisory board for the business school, which was really special, was we had the dean of the Silicon Valley Exec Center come in and talk about they were thinking of this women uh, leadership class. And many of us around the table said, hey, that's fantastic. But you know what we really need? We really need a corporate board women readiness program. And so that program was born there. And it's been phenomenal to see these women that we've been able to meet and connect with go on to be on both public company boards and and um, private or startup boards. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for my time there when I was a student because I actually started in tech between my sophomore and junior year. So it's good to be giving back. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit about GitLab. You know, TopTel works with thousands of engineers and software developers. So would you mind telling our audience kind of a little bit about the company? We're the leading DevOps platform. Um, We are the one DevOps platform. And what we do is really uh, help organizations uh, marry being able to plan, build, secure, and deploy software. So really uh, expediting that process and making it much easier for our users. We find ourselves unique in that we say everyone can contribute with the open source. It's not only customers, but it's team members, and therefore we get to the best outcome. Uh, and it's it's part of our mission uh, at GitLab, who we are. We say everyone can contribute, and it's super exciting to see that come to fruition and get into our values of transparency and collaboration. It's, uh, it's quite unique. And of course, like we've been remote since the inception. And, and so, you know, what's funny is we think of remote work as just work because we've done it for so long. And, um, in the pandemic, we really, we're able to help other organizations. You know, we publish everything we do and how we work and how we work work is really unique. Um, And so we share that on our 2000 page handbook that any of you can access. Uh, And you hear how we work and all of the programs that, that we have here internally at GitLab. You just kind of mentioned it, but I know that there's people out there that don't know what open source means. Yes, it's a, it's a good question. And really, it's us being able to have the values of collaboration, community, running through our entire culture. You know, that is the spirit of how we work here. But it's our product, our business, our workforce strategy um, are all informed by open source. Us having this open core business model uh, means that we offer a core vision of our product that is open source, allowing customers, as I said, to contribute directly to GitLab and to our innovation and being able to see our product evolution. So we have not only all of our team members, over 1,700, but we also have then the greater ecosystem contributing to GitLab. Open source kind of means everything's out there for everybody to see and contribute to which is kind of a weird concept, especially from an HR perspective, the complete transparency of everything. So it's a very unique environment for me to even imagine. But, you know, how is it leading people at that type of company? And what do you look for when you're hiring somebody into that type of culture? Yes. So I'll, I'll say it was an adjustment for me. Transparency was the biggest adjustment. I was excited about it, but it was an adjustment and I've come to really, truly love it. 
And what it, what it means is you're going to have everyone know everything. And of course, not everything. And in our handbook, you'll see, like, we don't talk about individual performance. We are not transparent on each individual's compensation, um, performance reviews I mentioned, but um, everything else we're pretty transparent on. And so it allows for team members to know and understand. And if they don't understand, seek to understand. So we do a lot of AMAs if we're announcing new people programs and we get kudos on that of people saying, hey, I've never had a people group come in and educate us on all of the equity programs that we have eligible and who is eligible and who may not be eligible and the why and the how around it. And because you do that, I am just so thrilled about my engagement level, my participation and being a team member here at GitLab. I'm going to then go tell all of my friends. And so it is a little bit of deprogramming, I'd say, for, for people that come from a traditional environment. but. You have people that are applying that are curious, and if they're going through the candidacy process, they want this and they want to learn. And we share and we help correct when someone may may be struggling of, hey, I'm not sure how to get this through. Um, and I'd say that is, is unique. The transparency along with the mission of everyone can contribute is an adjustment. And it's exciting because you get to the best outcome. And you also get a level of equality and fairness because I now know every grade range of compensation and I know where I sit in that range. And if I have a question, I know I can go seek and get an answer. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really unique and, and something that we're very proud of. And I, I remember looking on GitLab going, oh my God, it's like everything is out there. It's one of those taboos in HR, right? When you're like, don't talk about your comp. Don't talk about this. Don't talk about that. It's like, oh no, it's out here. Here's my level. Here's my range. Here's this. Here's that. So, And instead of not being in an office, right? I think that's one of the interesting parts. And we'll talk about being fully remote, right? Since we both are fully remote is there's not any of that stuff that's whispering in the hallway because- it's all right there for everybody to read. So I would kind of love to talk about that. So you've been remote the whole time since you launched. Um, we launched 12 and a half years ago also, fully remote, never an office, which is again, one of the reasons I was attracted. Probably you were attracted to like, I've never heard of a fully remote HR job. Right, me neither. And so I think that that's been such an interesting experience, at least for me in a, an adjustment period. But you know, over the last couple of years, especially with COVID, and I'm sure you had the same thing as when we all went remote, everyone reached out to me and probably you. And it's like, how do we do it? How does this work? I don't, I don't know how this is. Um, I know with TopTel, when COVID first hit, I got, you know, our, our resume intake increased tenfold because everyone was like, I don't want to go and I don't want to go back to work. I'm afraid I want a remote job. And they would, they just searched for any company that was remote back then. So how have you kind of adjusted to attract talent over the last couple of years and gone through this whole process? Remote work is is work for us. That's all we, that's all we know. And so that has been a big attractant to people, not only of course GetLab what we're doing, but then the way that we go about working and being able to async as well. So it's not always synchronous meetings. We have people in 65 countries. We have to be able to 
async because we're not going to be able to easily all get on a call and we want to be really efficient, which is one of our values as well. And so we've found people um, continue to learn about us uh, as, as we gain market share and, and people are using more and more people are using the GitLab platform for the work that they do. So that's a big attractant. And then hearing about us being remote and all over, that's another attractant with knowing that we know how to do it. And we aren't just remote. We still want to get together. And so we still have offsites and we still do bring people to get together to connect because we know that we're all human beings and we want to have that time to break bread or go to dinner and, and have that connection. But when we do get together, we make sure that it's very efficient and valuable time and not things that we could do remotely over Zoom. Yes. It's funny talking to you because it's like almost like, yes, I want to just say, and we do the same and we do the same. You know, remote work means working from home or wherever you want, but people leaders now have to think about the best ways to help our employees with the work-life balance and the integration. And there's a lot of talk around wellness. So I know you've spoken publicly about burnout, specifically about promoting better sleep and eating well and exercising. So how does GitLab promote and support wellness priorities for their employees? It's big top of mind. And you see that in our handbook. You'll see a lot about burnout. You'll see loneliness um, and ways to ensure that we're staying connected and that we're taking care of our mental health and our mental well-being. Um, so all of us, starting with Sid and on the e-group, we, we talk and, and try to emulate good practices, uh, going and using your PTO, go out and take a break. Uh, in fact, during COVID, uh, because we knew how to work, um, we saw people working too much. And so we had to talk about getting breaks. And so we did like walk and talks. So unlike being on Zoom, that's we usually aren't on the phone, but we did something called walk and talks to get people out of their comfort of, of their office and getting them moving and talk. We, uh, Sid would do video games and he'd film himself and really quick put on Slack. I'm taking a break. How about you? And so we try to emulate uh, the good behaviors of um, health and well-being. We just uh, expanded our modern health, which is a benefit that we have for family members as well as for our team members, all of our employees we call team members. There's these great tools out that are truly global that you can use individually or in group settings. We found some of our managers have done some of the manager breakouts that they do, and it's been really beneficial. And we'll do quick videos or share, you know, our, our world's been tough lately with so much going on, you know, getting into Slack and just sharing, hey, I'm, I'm personally having a little bit of a hard time. Here's what I've got going on. I'm, I'm sandwiched right now with, you know, an older mom that's not doing well and my, my children. And here's how I'm taking a moment to be able to keep um my health and well-being. Uh, but if you talk about how you integrate it in the, or in your day, especially when you're home and you could easily kind of roll out of bed, get to the computer and not leave until it's time to go back to bed, you got to be intentional. And how do you ensure that you're getting the right breaks, that you're getting um, the rest that you need and, and the right food that you need uh, to be sure that you're your best self? I also know that you implemented a family and friends day. I think where once a month the office shuts down for the entire day. 
So how does this program come about and how has productivity changed in morale since it was implemented? So it was implemented around COVID. Um, as you can imagine, we, you know, uh, people were stretched. They had their children and maybe their partner now at home where before they were working remotely, but they didn't have all of these other piece, people or animals in their, in their space. Uh, and so we found that people really could benefit from having a three-day weekend. Um, and I say three-day weekend because our friends and family days are either a Friday or a Monday. And we decided to roll it out and, and try it. And to this day, it is still a part of us. And it really is a shutdown day. Um, people get off Slack, so you're not getting the inbound. There aren't any meetings. Um, we do have a Slack channel called Friends and Family so that you can post what you did with your friends and family. And it's really rewarding to see. Um, and um, it's it's worked out really well for folks and has helped with productivity. They The team members love it. Um, unlike when you go on PTO and everyone else is still working, you come back and we all know you still see this Slack slacks that you might have missed or the emails that you might have missed or the or you're reading the agendas from the old meetings that you missed in this case it truly is a break for all and so we uh we're we're continuing with it at this juncture once a month great well i'd love to talk more about culture we you mentioned it at the very beginning but as a fully remote culture i mean top tell we often say we're rooted in our values so you know, we publish them on our website. We have a culture interview as part of anybody joining. Um, so I'd love to kind of talk to you about your values. I know I've read them. So they're collaboration, results, efficiency, diversity, inclusion and belonging, iteration, and transparency. How did the company choose these and how do you communicate it to current and future employees? So our co-founder and CEO and, and chairperson, Sid Sabrandi, he came up with these values and through iteration, uh, which is very appropriate, one of our values, he landed on these credit values and spent a lot of time talking about all of these, defining what they mean. You can see them all in our handbook even creating a hierarchy. So you might find that there's two values in conflict. Well, what value then is the one that comes out on top? And results are the top of the, the, the values, meaning that what are the end results? What are the results? And we talk about results in everything that we do. And we have this where we talk about it from when you're a candidate, all through your employment um, and you know, this is how we live. And it starts with Sid. It's all of the e-group. It's that drumbeat. We're constantly talking about it. We're reinforcing who we're hiring. Do they emulate and follow our values? You know, we like you, the values are rooted in who you are and we think about them and talk about them all the time. Yes. And, and we've had people who have read ours and said, you know what? I don't think it's for me. I'm not used to a transparent culture where everything's out there. And it's like, great. I'm Rather you opt out before you join because we walk walk and talk the talk. So it isn't something that's just written on a page. It's actually who we are and it's part of our DNA. Absolutely. I found something very interesting. I'd love to understand like why do you all believe that that's the right perspective and why does that matter to your team members? Yes. So when I think about a family, um, I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, parents and 
and children and, and loved ones gathering and um, either living or celebrating together, eating together, um, taking care of one another. And here in an organization, we're colleagues and we certainly want relationships and friendships occur here too. But we're not necessarily emulating behaviors that you may see um, in a family. For example, uh, you probably wouldn't be telling someone in your family, hey, you, you've got to move out of this family. It's, it's not working for you anymore. Where in a organization, you know, sometimes people aren't working out anymore and we are giving them a fair shot to help to see if their performance can improve. But if that may not happen, then it may be time for them to move on. And so that's a big difference I see. I want people to be able to go enjoy their family and be able to have time away from work. Uh, and here at work, we're enjoying each other and we're focused on our results, um, but, but we're not, we're not a, a, a loving family that is, is that unit. That's interesting. I, I, I've never thought about it that way and I really appreciate that perspective. It's just an interesting way to think because there's some, you know, if you if you join a small company, you feel like a family or a smaller company. And then as it grows, oh, I don't know as many people anymore. I've never heard this person's name. And, it, you know, especially companies like ours who are in this hyper growth mode, you know, where my CEO will be like, I don't even know who that person is. I used to know everybody. And I'm like, yeah, because we're over 1500 people, you're not going to know who anybody is anymore. Yes. But it feels very different because if it's all my family, I should know all of them. I should know their birthdays or any big moments. And there becomes a time when an organization, you, you, you can't know all of that. So one thing I would love to learn from you is more about informal communication, right? So like, you know, everything we do is Slack or can you jump on a Zoom or, you know, we have monthly all hands calls to like get the word out. You know, especially in our fully remote culture, how do you use informal communication to build like the strong remote culture? Yes. Um, a few ways that we uh, help with informal communication. One is, you know, of course, Slack, like, like you mentioned, but people get a lot of channels. And so how do we meet our audience? And it could be through Slack. It could be through a monthly newsletter that we do because we found, okay, there's so much out there. How about taking it all together and creating it monthly so people know this is one stop. If I'm missing something, I would find it here. We also do that for managers because it worked so well for team members. We found the click-through rate of, oh, wow, they're really looking at this and reading these different articles. So multifaceted, not just Slack, but also bringing different communications together into a newsletter and putting that, publishing that Slack, publishing that on email so that you're getting the various audiences. We do an assembly um, and we run that at two different times. That's usually about once a quarter, if not a little bit more often than that. And so we'll have to hit two different, you know, hopefully hitting the globe with the two different times. And at the end of that, we will use different technology that will bring people together. So 
like when you're walking into a big all hands and a big auditorium, you're chat chatting with people that may be sitting next to you. Well, when you're all remote, you don't get that. So how do we emulate that? And so using technology to put people into groups of five at the end, and they'll have 15 minutes to chit chat and get to know each other. And it's super cool and rewarding because you're seeing someone from different functions, different parts of the world, and being able to share information informally or discuss what you heard in the in the earlier assembly or, or meeting. Um, so we're always thinking of different ways to communicate or asking team members what what would you like to see back again to everyone can contribute. People aren't shy and they'll share what they would like us to be doing and that we then iterate and we try things and if it doesn't work, okay, well then let's go and, and look at something else. So I know that back in um, October of 2021, you all became a publicly traded company on NASDAQ. So what impact did that have on the company or your role as a people leader? Yes. So um, we were very thrilled to become a public company. It had been a journey and it continues now. It doesn't stop, as we always say. It doesn't stop once you're public. All of our team members participate in that we were the first company to have a virtual opening IPO. And it was amazing. We had everyone there present on screen, um, family members, because it was streamed, could, could see. Um, my son was texting me, hey, mom, I see you. You know, can you walk over here by this person? Um, the camera's on this person now. And it was truly inclusive and so exciting. We sent everyone um, packages to their home, party packages, so that they could celebrate with their loved ones um, and, and get up at whatever hour it was if they wanted to live view and stream um, the opening day. So it was super special to see us listed uh, on NASDAQ. And from a change perspective, you know, with us being so transparent, the biggest item was a change management in, that started really pre-IPO of what is public information and what's non-public information. So helping team members understand the difference um, because we didn't want to lose transparency, but we had to educate. And our legal team really spearheaded that and came up with a great concept. And you can look at it at the hand handbook called SAFE, SAFE Framework, S-A-F-E. And each letter stands for a, a different word, and it has helped tremendously. We trained people and we continue to talk about safe and ensuring that any information that's in question, is it public or non-public, and having them be able to make that decision uh, to ensure that we're not sharing uh, material non-public information. And so that, I would say, is the biggest change for us. Of course, on the finance side, you know, there's the SEC team and, and the, the people team had to recruit roles that were new um, on, in finance and legal for all the compliance and regulatory side. But really, as we operate, it was more educational and change management of, hey, we're very transparent. We want to keep transparent. But there now is stuff that has to say internal versus it being both internal and external. A question that I have started asking all my guests, I am an avid reader. So I would love to know if there's a book that you recommend to folks, whether it's business or non-business or fiction or non-fiction that like impacted your leadership, impacted you, 
something that has stuck with you? I'm not coming up with just one, but there's three books that I think of uh, that have impacted my leadership and that I tend to talk about. Jim Collins, Good to Great. There's concepts such as the flywheel. I'll talk about the flywheel. Okay, once we get it going, in particular with my hat on recruiting, right? You got to get the recruiting engine going and then the flywheel starts. Also the drumbeat, continuing to talk about your message, your your mission, your vision, your values, and and that drumbeat that must continue to reoccur. Um, Sheryl Sandberg, her lean in, I know that was a long time ago, but that was impactful for me. That resonated with me. There were many times I was the only woman in the room and um, hearing her view uh, was 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 uh, memorable for me, for sure. And then last I would say is, um, you know, mindset, Carol Dweck, like that mindset is everything. And I think that is is such a good reminder of how mindset for all of us, no matter what age, has such a big impact on, on who we are and how we approach uh, leadership, how we approach our personal life as well. Okay, that one I have to write down. The first two I have read, so I have to write down the last one. Yes, for sure. You like mindset. It's a quick read too. Wendy, this has been an awesome conversation. I would love to wrap up with one final question. What has been your proudest moment as a leader? Uh, Good question. I think there's a few, uh, but I'll leave with one. And that is hiring people that were early in their career and seeing them now, uh, both personally and professionally, just thriving and on their way to being in your and my role. Um, They're not there yet, but I know with their style and their work ethic and where they are today, um, that they'll, they'll, if they want to be a CPO one day, they will be. And that is so rewarding to, to look back and see how they've continued to develop and grow and remembering how they were when you interviewed them, uh, you know, 10, 15 plus years ago. And so I would say that's definitely rewarding, um, uh, and, and a proud moment for sure. Absolutely. I agree with that. Well, Wendy Barnes, Chief People Officer at GitLab, thank you for your time and your insights today. It's been a great conversation, and I will be hitting you up with uh, more questions offline later on. I look forward to it, Michelle. It was a pleasure meeting with you and look forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to The Talent Economy. I'm your host, Michelle Labby. You can find much more information about the talent economy on staffing.com and toptel.com slash insights. Hubs for bold, comprehensive content featuring business thought leaders and authoritative research focused on the future of work.